I'm pretty certain a lot of you have been keeping up with the news on Ye, formerly known as Kanye West. Here's a question. Do you think that perhaps he is being scapegoated due to several things, not just some of the anti-Semitic comments that he made, but for other reasons, right? Now, I'm not eluding, that question is not to elude that Kanye is guilty or innocent, by the way. But this is the season of scapegoat, okay? Scapegoat rituals, sacrificial lamb. There's a lot of energy harvesting going on right now. So I'm also going to be talking about how sacrifice, pardon me, not sacrifice, but yeah, that too. But the scapegoat ritual can also be seen in a narcissistic family structure. Okay, so I'm kind of combining uh, those two things right now, or I'm going to be talking about both of those. But first, let me share with you guys about the meaning of a scapegoat and sacrificial lamb. Okay, so there's a difference, right? It can be said that a scapegoat is forced to load the burdens or sins of people and a sacrificial lamb is willing to carry the sins of people voluntarily. Now, I'm reading right now from an article that I saw earlier today that I thought was really, really interesting. Now, you can read this article in its full uh, by clicking on the link below. Now, uh, the biggest difference is that when he does something, it is done out of his own will or will less. It is known that the word comes from Judaism and a scapegoat, which is called Azazel in Hebrew language, combining the meaning of to be sent and a goat is a male goat to be sent into the desert, carrying the sins of people and dies in an uninhibited region. After all, the event of the scapegoat is sent into the desert takes place on the 10th day of the seventh month by sacred year. Okay. And it is called the day of atonement. Now this year, uh, 2022, uh, the day of atonement or Yom Kippur was, um, practiced or celebrated on October the 4th and it ended on October 5th. Now, when we start looking at Kanye West, uh, you know, there's a lot going on right now with Ye, formerly known as Kanye West. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I remember seeing some pictures of him last year, okay, uh, 2021. Oh, before I get to that, I think it was October of last year that he, no, October of 2020. I think it was 20, I want to say 2020. I think it was 2019, though. Uh, it was October 2019 that uh, Ye officially changed his name from Kanye West to Ye. Okay, just really wanted to point that out because October during the season of sacrifice or harvesting, you know, energy harvesting, which is going up. I mean, there's is a lot going on right now with that. A lot of people who are engaging in the scapegoat rituals. And so there's a sacrificial lamb type energy going on as well. But anyway, Kanye, bet, Kanye right now, he is doing a... Um, a uh, media tour. So he's apologizing. Then he turns around and say he's he's not apologizing. Just a whole lot going on. There's some things that uh, you, you don't really know what's going to come out of Kanye's or really Ye's mouth. You really don't know which way he's going to go. Um, right now, he's looking pretty humble. Okay, I'll put it like that. 
we not we're not used to seeing a, a yay or kanye west like that we're not used to seeing him this way he's quite humble now he has made some anti-semitic uh comments and as a result a lot of corporations have cut ties they have cut corporation ties or partnerships with him you know adidas has cut ties with kanye west uh ye formerly known as kanye now, his ex-wife, Kim Kardashian, she came out and she made a statement. She stands with the community, the a Jewish community. She doesn't, you know, um, agree with Kanye's uh, comments or anti-Semitic comments. Very interesting right now. Right now, it's not looking good for Ye at all. So he's looking like a sacrificial lamb, depending on who's looking. He's looking like a sacrificial lamb. Because perhaps, you know, some people are saying that, you know, because they're standing with Kanye. Some people think that he's being scapegoated. He's like, you know, a sacrificial lamb, right? But they are different. I just pointed out to you the difference. One is willing to be sacrificed and the other one has been offered up to be sacrificed. So it is against their will. So the scapegoat, it is against his or her will to be sacrificed, whereas the sacrificial lamb is willing to be sacrificed. Now, which one does Kanye look like? As far as I'm concerned, it depends on who's looking. Some people are with Kanye. Some people are saying it's about time. He's getting what he deserves. He has ruffled a lot of feathers for quite some time. Okay, so um, it's very interesting what's going on right now. Now, during the season of uh, Scapegoat, right? The scapegoat rituals are, are going on right now. October 31st, Halloween. Speaking of Halloween, when you look at Jason, right? There are two Jasons I want to mention. Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th. That's a character, Friday the 13th. Jason uh, from Halloween, Jason Myers, okay, from Halloween. Both of them what? Wearing a mask. Haven't we seen Kanye West wearing a full mask? I mean, just his whole head covered, his neck, his face, the whole night. I remember seeing him, many pictures of him wearing a black mask. Very interesting. I don't know if you guys have noticed that, but I'm just tying all this together with the scapegoat ritual. What is a mask used for? To conceal, to cover, to hide, perhaps. But when we look at the two Jasons, one from Friday the 13th and the other one from Halloween, okay, they're both wearing masks. Some people may say that they both have been sacrificed or they have been scapegoated from their families. Very interesting. Okay, so when we start looking at the uh, narcissistic family structure and we're looking at the scapegoat ritual, you start to see it unfold in a narcissistic family structure. Okay, so I just want to touch on that. But before I get to that, let me go over with you guys about Yom Kippur, right? So the scapegoat ritual of Yom Kippur. Once again, I'm going to read this article that I found. The links are below. 
Okay, just want to make sure I get my read it from the right. Okay. Now, when it comes down to the ritual of Yom Kippur, once again, that was celebrated uh, October 4th and 5th of this year. The first goat is sacrificed as a sin offering to convey that in principle, we must pay a price for our sins. Sacrifice, however, served as a uh, kofer, a ransom or substitute in the real human world. Now, again, this is John Kipper. Now, um, the second goat in the scapegoat ritual is sent to the wilderness, bearing the sins of the people to remind us that we must remove our sins from our repertoire and personal space. The high priest placed both of his hands on the head of the live goat and confessed over it all of the sins of Israel. He thus symbolically placed the sins on the head of the goat and sent it off to the wilderness, never to return. This is the ultimate image of catharsis, a complete confession and removal of our sins so that they are no longer part of our being or our space. The second aspect, a capora, uh, a cleansing of our very selves can be achieved only through reflection, confession, and a resolve to cast away our sins. The idea, again, so I really want to really pinpoint that this is a concept, an idea. Okay, so back to the article. The idea that to truly atone for our transgressions, we must both pay a price and confess is intuitive. As a psychological matter, a human being who knows he or she has done something wrong will not feel a sense of personal resolution and closure unless he has confessed and owned up to the misdeed on one hand and made amends or paid up to the extent possible on the other. Appropriately, the requirements of both payment and confession are the conceptual prerequisites for atonement in Jewish law. Okay, so laws of repentance, even capital punishment, will not achieve capora without the, without the prerequisites of confession and repentance. Okay, so by the same logic, it is not enough to apologize to our fellow human beings for wrongs that we may have done towards them. Rather, it is up to each one of us to make things right to the best of our abilities. So this is, again, Yom Kippur. This is the scapegoat ritual of Yom Kippur, which really, in a nutshell, means um, it's, uh, it's a day of atonement. And, and it is. It means atonement. So when it comes down to the narcissistic family structure, the only way atonement can be made is that everyone, these are my words, okay? This is what I think. Everyone who was involved in the narcissistic family structure, they must take 100% responsibility for the role that they played. Now, the child who is tagged or selected as scapegoat, again, scapegoat, okay? So that means this was against that child's will. They didn't willfully want to carry the so-called sins of their family, which put them in a karmic cycle, okay? They were selected to carry the heavy burden of the dysfunctional patterns of their family. It's very different than being a sacrificial lamb. 
So let me go ahead and um, go a little deeper with this. <clears throat> Okay, uh, so when you examine the word scapegoat more closely, you might notice that you can divide it and see two words, right? Scape and goat. Scape means to escape in a view or a scene. Okay, so that means, you know, like landscaping, you look out at a landscape, right? So, but what you can do is embrace the goat in yourself. All right, so, you know, that's just something that I think is a good thing to do, especially those who have been selected to play the dysfunctional role of a scapegoat in their family. They didn't have any say, right? They didn't do this willfully. So you escape from narcissistic family. So your escape, right? Your escape from narcissistic family is to be celebrated as the real goat, okay? Breakdown goat, greatest of all time. So why not see that in yourself? Instead of looking at yourself through the eyes of the narcissistic family, which you were probably groomed to do. So use visualization to help yourself see how far you've come as you accept that you've done something great, like outgrow narcissistic relationships or the narcissistic family. Perhaps you've moved on, right? Okay, so continue to thrive and be great. I want to suggest you do that. I, I really hope that you are hearing something today that will encourage or motivate you to do so. So, you know, you might want to discontinue expecting your family of origin to see you as anyone positive or see that you can represent anything positive. Again, when you were selected to be a scapegoat, that meant that you were taking on the ills, the dysfunction, the negative stuff of your family. You had no say in that. That's what makes it unfair and hideous too. Unlike a sacrificial lamb, you were scapegoated. This is what a scapegoat ritual is all about. Okay, selecting someone to carry on the ills for the collective, for the group, so the group can be cleansed or they can walk away from what they're responsible for, that the, th the negative things they don't want to deal with or the heavy things that they don't want to deal with that they're actually responsible for. They're just projecting and throwing on to the scapegoat family member or the scapegoat child. Now, ironically, it is those who have, it is, <clears throat> it is those who may have mistreated you in the narcissistic family system as those who could not overcome their own personal challenges and projected them onto you by tagging you as scapegoat. That to me, that's very ironic. They're going to sit up there and tag somebody else. Okay. As scapegoat because they don't want to deal with their own or try to overcome their own personal challenges, work out their own salvation. No, they want someone to carry that for them. It's like, the scapegoat child grows up into an adult and they're dealing with their own stuff. They're working out their own salvation. But what's unfair is that they were being bullied, perhaps emotionally manipulated, emotionally blackmailed to what? Carry on the burdens of other family members. You know, so there's nothing great about that, I don't think, you know. So please understand, understand and understand that when a scapegoat ritual is being conducted, there's a ritualistic sacrifice that's being done. It's a form of energy harvesting. We are in that time right now. Energy harvesting, scapegoat season, okay? Scapegoat rituals, sacrificial, you know, sacrificing, all these things are happening right now. People are trying to switch out um, spiritual contracts or, you know, uh, that people are not giving them permission 
you know, they're latching on to energy bodies that are moving forward out of narcissistic relationships. In other words, some narcissists are not taking no for an answer when it comes down to the narcissistic family structure or system. This may go double when that person grows up, the one who was tagged scapegoat, when they grow up and they look around and they assess the situation and they, they find out that this is not their purpose, right? They were scapegoated. They want to move on from that. They have outgrown the relationship. They have outgrown the narcissistic family and they move on. Sometimes that narcissistic family structure, structure or, or system is not ready to let them go. So it's an energetic pull. Okay, some of you understand what I'm saying here. So there are several components that consist of scapegoat rituals, triangulation, gatekeeping, okay, gaslight techniques, deploying or recruiting enablers to play dysfunctional role of flying monkey, entrapment. Entrapment can be on many levels, such as emotionally, spiritually, and mentally. Shape-shifting tendencies. I mentioned the mask that Kanye West wore. And sometimes he still wears, but we don't see him wearing that mask too much now. He's looking quite humble right now, right? The mask of uh, Jason Voorhees, of the character of Friday the 13th. The mask of uh, Jason from Halloween, right? Um, pardon me, Michael Myers. So I hope you got, I'm pretty certain you guys caught that when I was talking about the two, I said two Michaels before, <laughs> Okay, so I met Michael Myers and uh, Jason. Okay, but anyway, they all wore masks. What, are, what were they concealing, right? What were they perhaps hiding? What were they keeping within? That's the other thing I want to say about the narcissistic family structure. When they keep, when they select the child to scapegoat, they also emotionally bully that child to contain the energy of the dysfunctional of that family. Contain it. Don't speak about it. Take that dark secret to your grave. See, they're bullying that family member to do that. They are. They did not volunteer that. That's my overall point in this episode, in this video, uh, that this person was, they did not volunteer like a sacrificial lamb. They weren't willing, right? They were choked. They were selected to do something against their will by a group of people. And sadly, that group was their family of origin. Okay, very different. Scapegoating and sacrifice, sacrificial lamp, two different things. Okay. So what are some of the other uh, components of scapegoat rituals? Priming, grooming, and programming. All roll up into one. When the narcissist steps out and they groom a person, they're also priming that person. Therefore, they're programming that person. Neuro-linguistic programming, for instance. Simply put, screwing somebody's mind. Or playing with somebody's mind. Okay? Mind trick, tricks and gaslighting techniques. I mentioned that already. Okay? So, neuro-linguistic programming is a huge thing that happens in narcissistic families. But neuro-linguistic programming can be used for good. But uh, narcissists often choose to use it for bad. Those who are selected to play the dysfunctional role of a scapegoat are subjected to various forms of manipulation. 
while perhaps experiencing codependent enmeshment energy, which reflects the components of the scapegoat ritual. I really want to pinpoint codependent enmeshment energy. That means, you know, just picture the scapegoat having all of these wires tied to itself. And they can't, even when they want to leave, they can't easily escape because they are being tied at every which, you know, at every end. They got all of these different energies of the group pulling at it. So the scapegoat, just picture a scapegoat trying to get out of amongst a group that is uh, preying on it. Okay, got their tentacles plugged into it and is trying to move left, trying to move right, trying to move forward or trying to shift itself so it can get out. And it's not easily being able to get out. See, the narcissistic family structure is designed to entrap to keep a person in a sunken place. So even if they want to leave, it is not that easy. Energetic enmeshment, codependent enmeshment. Okay, it, it, that, that codependent enmeshment energy is very difficult to overcome. It's not impossible, but it takes a little extra to overcome it. Okay, so these are the main components of a narcissistic family system or structure scapegoat or scapegoating sacrifice or sacrificing someone okay uh sabotage or sabotaging the efforts really of the scapegoated child scapegoated child may have some gifts and talents but guess what the narcissist or the narcissistic family narcissistic grandparents uh narcissistic family structure is designed to intercept anything that is good for the scapegoated child. So if they're very good at something, then the scapegoated family members may uh, discourage that scapegoated child from pursuing that. And that goes on into their adulthood as well. So if they, uh, you know, if they're pursuing anything in life, personally or professionally, the, the narcissistic family structure more than likely will intercept or sabotage any of their efforts. The narcissistic family structure, structure, uh, the narcissistic family system can be a weird dichotomy of possessing a strong sense of entitlement to the scapegoat child's energy. And this, again, goes on into adulthood. It's not uncommon for narcissistic families to develop a fixation to the point of, you know, incorporating tactics that are designed to entice emotionally, spiritually, mentally and energetically those who have been selected as scapegoat. So again, so this is why I said that uh, that that uh, enmeshment, the codependent enmeshment, is very is is really is a real mf. If you know what I mean, it's a real bitth. It really is. Okay, so uh, the narcissistic family is not designed to be emotionally or spiritually safe for the scapegoat child. From day one, it was like that. See, this is one of the reasons as to why a lack of spiritual, emotional, and mental fulfillment might be, a, you know, it's a common occurrence. Who's going to be emotionally, spiritually, and mentally fulfilled by connecting or attempting to connect to family who has selected, it, escape, or selected them as scapegoat 
and see them as the person to dump on. Sees them, sees them as a person, as an, as an emotional dumping ground, as a spiritual uh, uh, dumping ground. How can one feel emotionally safe in such a hostile environment? Okay, so energetically, there is a mismatch. You know, it's not until the scapegoated child grows into adulthood that he or she will discover that they have been dealing with what? Perhaps dark personality types within an emotionally immature, petty, and codependent enmeshment energies. Okay? They have been dealing with codependent enmeshment energies since childhood. They become familiar with that. Okay? That, that that's 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 not going to be something to overcome very easily, but it can be overcome. Okay, so why does the narcissistic family continue to pursue should the scapegoated family member choose to walk away as a practical solution to the issue, long-standing issue, especially we're talking about since the childhood. So narcissists are notorious for being sore losers and often see themselves as a victim if they are not successful with creating victims or faced with having to experience consequences for their poor choices and actions that harm others. You know, because sometimes there's a real fear of being exposed by the scapegoated family member. Imagine that. Scapegoated child grows up as an adult and they start to express what they have experienced. So that family, the narcissistic family, is probably afraid of being exposed for what they have done. They want to keep that quiet. Once again, there's your mask. There's your concealing or the act or the ritual of concealing something. Okay, you know, so they may have a real fear of being uh, exposed. You know, I think it's very interesting as to how he or she chooses to think that it's bad luck or by chance that they are experiencing consequences rather than seeing it as karma, you know, cause and effect or reaping what they have sown. Then narcissists tend to not see that. They play the blaming game. So a narcissistic family structure will be probably act the same way when it comes down to the scapegoat family member who chooses to walk away. You know, should the scapegoated family member walk away, right? Due to outgrowing the narcissistic family, narcissists often will move to attempt to make up for their loss of source supply to satisfy power and ego gratification. You know, they, they're on an the ego trip. They get a sense of power to sit back and look at how they can manipulate other people like flying monkeys to try to hoover that scapegoated family member back in, even though they're an adult now. I don't know about you, but that's that's pretty, whew, that's pretty sick. Okay? It's sad that that happens, but it happens quite often. So I just really wanted to point those things out. Right. You know, there's some other things I want y'all to consider. Right. As to why the scapegoat family. Um, I want to keep on saying I'm mixing it up now. Let me calm down. <laughs> but I want y'all to consider something. You know, why would the scapegoated family. Right. Continue to pursue. Why would this why would the narcissistic family continue to pursue a scapegoated family member after they leave? Well, because they justify their wrongdoing, right? But they also tend to be self-righteous. They tend to be petty. They have co-occurring health issues, maybe mental imbalance, impulsive, spiritual confliction, 
They're overly dependent on spiritual or perhaps religious beliefs. They're impulsive. This is why they continue to pursue the scapegoated family member after they leave. And shenanigans continue to flare up after they leave because of these same reasons right here. So I want y'all to do something. Tool number one, consider what a soul family versus a family of origin really is. These two dynamics are different in how they tend to function. Tool number two, take steps to uproot toxic ties that are energetically heavy within an emotionally safe environment. You may have a support base that tends to be emotionally safe for you or someone that you can trust who understands your plight. They know what you went through. They're sympathetic, right? They show empathy, unlike a narcissistic family. Tool number three, remember that you are not obligated to show gratitude for unwarranted advances from the narcissistic family. For instance, you've moved on. They still want to try to reach out. You are not obligated to prove anything. You're not obligated to fight for their love, their affections, their validations. You have thrived forward. You are in a better place now. And I absolutely just want to tell you, continue to do that. Okay? Continue to do that. I absolutely applaud you for your efforts to continue to thrive forward. You have gone through something. See, the sacrificial lamb versus the scapegoat is quite different. Some people, they mix that up. But right now, we are in the season of the scapegoat ritual. A lot of things are going on right now. So protect your energy. That's another tool. Practice protecting your energy. Energy harvesting is up. Okay? So remember, until next time, take care of yourself and each other.